Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Today we are privileged to have a guest speaker. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Welcome. How are we doing today? Was that amazing or what? Let's, 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 let's give it up one more time. Well, welcome. Where if you're at one of our campuses, if you're online or on TV, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us. Welcome to all of you. This is part four of Unlikely Heroes. Have you guys been enjoying the Unlikely Heroes series? Absolutely. Well, months and months and months ago when we were uh, dreaming up this series, we, we knew there would be all kinds of superhero movies, and they'd be blockbuster hits throughout the summer. We obviously had no idea how, uh, how timely this series would be. You know, if, uh, unless you've been hiding in a hole, you've, you've heard what happened in Colorado this week. My wife and I were waking up Friday morning and drinking coffee together, and we started to turn on the news and get on Twitter and open up the news on our computers, and we were just shocked by what we were reading and, and all the stories that were coming in, and it, it became very clear to me, and so if it's okay with you, before we move on, before we do anything else this morning, I want to pray for Colorado. It just seems that if the church doesn't have anything to say to this, then we have nothing to say. Amen? Amen. And so well, how about bef- before we do anything else, would you guys stand, and let's just let the community in Colorado and those that are grieving around the world know that we stand behind them. Let's pray. Father, Father, we pray that you would be present like you've never been present before in Aurora, Colorado today. Father, we, we pray, we, we, we stand beside those who are hurting and who are grieving and who are looking for answers. And we don't understand everything, but we know this and we can be assured of this, that you are our God and you have never left us. And so, God, I pray that for those that are questioning that, for those that aren't sure if you exist at all, maybe just because of this tragedy in their lives, that, God, you would be present, that you would show them that you care for them and you love them, and that even in the midst of this, hope can and will emerge. And so, God, we pray, we, and we, we pray that you would let them know that churches around the world are standing behind them. God, even this morning, I pray that the stories that are coming out of Colorado would speak to us, and they would teach us how to live fully. That's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So this is part four of Unlikely Heroes. 
You just heard one of my all-time favorite songs by Mumford and Son, Awake My Soul. It's one of my favorite songs simply because it's just an awesome song. Musically, it's just, it's, it's killer. But beyond that, just the tone of it, the lyrics, I think it speaks so well for so many of us. There are times we will find ourselves, we will hear our insides, we will know that God is calling us to something more. And little by little, as we kind of quiet out that voice, we find ourselves years down the road. Our, our mind will be saying to us, awake, 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 my soul. Wake up because there's something much better waiting for you. Have you felt it before? Have you ever noticed that there's this tension between your head and your heart? There's, there's days, there's weeks, there's months, there's, there's even years where your head will win, right? And your knowledge and reason will just triumph everything that your heart is wanting to do. And then there's times where your heart will jump in and it'll do things. And sometimes you'll fall on your face because you left your mind behind. Have you ever been there? I've been there too many times on both sides of that. Today we're going to wrestle with this tension of zeal and knowledge. Have you ever noticed that in every great superhero story, there's a tension, right? There's, there's, a, there's a struggle. And I think, I think that's part of the reason why we like superhero stories so much. There's a tension. There's a struggle. We, we, we look at superheroes, and even though they have this superhero power, they also have a weakness, right? There's something that holds them back. And in that sense, they sort of feel like us. They struggle like we struggle. No one who has ever done something great has ever known what to do it all the time. No one who has ever achieved something of significance had it all figured out. But sometimes we, we, we overlooked that simple fact. For everyone who ever did something great, there was a tension. There was a struggle. There was confusion. There was internal wrestling. And at some point, they had to jump into action. Every great superhero story has growing pains. Maybe you've noticed this, that they, they try something, they jump, and it works. Soon after, they fall on their face, and after they fall on their face, there's this reluctance to jump back in. And somehow, compelled by a burden that just won't go away, they jump back in. We've seen it time and time again. I chose our unlikely hero today because he's a lot like us. He's ordinary, and yet he consents, and as we're reading the scriptures, we too consents that he has an extraordinary calling. He starts sprinting out of the gates, only to fall on his face. And just like most superheroes, he pulls back. And what's amazing is that when God wants to propose something new, when God wants to start something new, he goes and he finds our unlikely hero to do it. Our unlikely hero today is Simon Peter. And in many ways, he's just like us. He wants to live wholeheartedly for a purpose bigger than himself. He wants to make an impact in this world and make it better because he stepped fully into the life that God had for him. And yet, just like you, there's a tension. There's a struggle. You see, Peter doesn't trust his instincts, and for good reason. If you've ever read much of the New Testament, you've seen that Peter falls on his face time and time and time again, and yet, God keeps using him over and over. What's amazing is that when God wants to expand the gospel, early on in, 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 in the, the New Testament church, the gospel is spreading beyond Jerusalem, but it's not spreading beyond the Jews. 
as it's going into other cities, it's going into other synagogues. And God says, I I want all people, I want every nation to know that I love them, that that my son died on the cross for them, and that he rose up from the grave to give them a new start, both in this life and to be with me forever. And so when he's looking for a, a hero to step into that darkness, to step outside of the early church, he looks to none other than Peter. And yet Peter isn't so sure. And there's good reason for that. Have you ever seen a superhero story that sort of begins at the end? Have you ever seen this before? Yeah, like it'll, it'll, as soon as the movie opens, the superheroes in this, they're in this decision. They're trying to figure something out. We, we don't know why. We don't know what the struggle is, but we know there is a struggle. And they're, they're, they're trying to make this decision. And do they make this decision? And, and then all of a sudden, it sort of jumps back to the beginning. We're going to do that a little bit today. We are going to start here with Peter in Acts 10. It's the story of Cornelius. God wants to expand the gospel, and so he goes to this man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a God-fearing man, but he's not a Jew. To the Jews, he is unclean. And in, in the Jewish world, there's, their, their whole world revolves around clean and unclean. We are the holy people of God. We are the clean people of God, and everybody outside is unclean. There is clean ways to eat. There are clean ways to live. There are customs that make us clean and separate, holy, set apart from that unclean world. And so God goes to this unclean man. He says, I want you to know my son. In fact, I want you to go and I want you to send for my servant, Peter, and he will come and tell you about him. Isn't that awesome? When, when God wants to do something, he, he actually gets Cornelius and says, you go to my servant because I know, I know he's going to come. And so he goes to Peter, God that is, he goes to Peter and he says, I want you to go and I want you to speak to this unclean man. He's sending a messenger and I want you to go with him. And then for Peter, there's, there's this struggle. There's this internal struggle. You see, he has zeal. We're going to learn that Peter today has a lot of zeal. All kinds of zeal. He has passion going in all directions. He wants to follow God with everything that he knows. And yet, there's this knowledge that's also sneaking up on Peter. And what we're going to realize throughout his life is he's, he bounces back and forth between the two. And this, there's this knowledge, there's this history of clean and unclean. And he's like, God, I, I want to follow you, but it doesn't make sense. Everything I've ever learned about you, everything that I learned growing up as a child says that I'm not supposed to interact with those outside. But here's what, what Peter's going to learn throughout his life, is that when you mix Zeal and knowledge. Something new is created. When knowledge and zeal collide, something new is created. But it's going to take Peter a lot of time to figure this out. It'd be nice if if he just figured it out at the beginning. It'd be nice if all of us figured those sorts of things out in the beginning. But that's not exactly how it works. Now, to us, in retrospect, it might seem clear. Yes, Peter, God's talking to you. Go, listen, it's all going to work out. But I wonder for us, like when we hear God's voice, is it ever quite so clear? Like we'll, we'll be sitting in church on a Sunday morning, or we'll be singing a song, or we'll, we'll hear a message, or we'll, we'll see a story somehow in church, and we'll say, I know I'm supposed to do this. We, we feel like we hear God's voice, and we walk out the doors, and we walk away from our life group, or a Bible study, or a prayer time, and we start to question ourselves, don't we? We, we, we talk ourselves out of it. 
The same is true for Peter. And here's the reason why. For all of us internally, we're conflicted. We know what we do know and what we don't know. We know our past and our experiences. We know when we've fallen on our face and we've seen others fall on their face. We, we, we feel like we hear God say something and what all that's inside of us wants to follow. And then there's something up here that sort of catches us and trips us up. And it's not that knowledge is bad. In fact, knowledge is good. And to get where we're going, we're going to have to learn to mix the two. You see, this, this is the same thing for Peter. This isn't just an isolated moment. Peter feels the weight of this new Christian movement. He feels like it's all on his shoulders, and he's quite aware that everyone's watching to see if he's going to screw it up, because Peter often screwed it up all the time. So we're going to hop into this, this story of Peter today. And it's not, we're not going to do it chronologically, because here's the deal. Peter's life doesn't just go from A to B, and he just progressively gets better. There's all these moments of struggle in between. Does that sound a lot like yourself? <laughs> Peter, we, we can't just follow him from, from one point to, an, to another point, but we kind of have to bounce around and kind of get the dimensions of Peter. And so what we're going to hop in today is the, the three dimensions of Peter. We're going to see Peter in 3D, so to speak. And here's the first one. The first one is just simply this. All zeal, no knowledge. All zeal and no knowledge. We, we've, we've heard this one several times in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 it says this, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now we, we often read this passage, and this is sort of a heroic passage for Peter. Right? He, he leaves everything behind to follow this man, Jesus. And if we're to kind of look at the scriptures as a timeline, it's quite possible, so it's highly likely that Peter had already met Jesus once. But let's just assume that this is the second encounter. Jesus walks up to him and says, I want you to leave everything you've ever, ever known, everything you've ever worked for, your whole vocation. I want you to leave it behind and come follow me and see what's going to happen. And what does Peter do? He just throws the nets aside and he goes and he follows after Jesus. There's a lot of zeal, but there's, there's not much time for knowledge to have, to have caught up to who this man Jesus is. Let's look at another, not quite so heroic, Mark 8. He then be, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. This is Jesus talking. And be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and it's, it's very important that we hear that. He says he spoke plainly about this. He wasn't speaking a metaphor. This wasn't a parable. He speaks very clearly about this. And it says, Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. Now, I don't know everything there is to know about being a follower of Christ, but I know we don't do that, right? Like, we don't just, like, pull Jesus aside and say, you're getting this wrong, you've got it all messed up, and rebuke Jesus. And Peter does a lot of, like, let's just be honest, like, stupid things, Based on Jesus' reaction, this might be the, the, the whopper. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, this is one of those moments, like if looks could kill, right? Like right, right through them. He rebuked Peter, and catch this. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Now if Jesus calls you Satan, you might want to like, all right, so all right, I, might, I may have overstepped my bounds just a little bit. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. This is our unlikely hero today, right? He rebukes the Son of God. 
He pulls him aside and says, Jesus, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to set up this new kingdom. You are not going to die. It's not, that's not what I learned growing up. This is not how it's supposed to happen. All zeal, all passion, very little knowledge. In John 13, we've often referred to this as the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. Jesus, he's sitting around with his disciples in an upper room. He says, I'm going to wash your feet in this moment because I want you to know that the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other and by the way you love the world around you. You're going to be their servants. And so he's walking around to each of the disciples, and then he gets to Peter. I should say this too, by the way. I chose Peter because I, I, I kind of like Peter because I often say and do the wrong thing. <laughs> my wife will often kind of be like, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Did you have to do that in that moment? Uh, sometimes my, 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 my mouth gets ahead of my, my head. And that's, I think Peter does a lot of the same thing. So when John, he came to Simon Peter, this is Jesus, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And he's just like, Peter, I know you don't get this. Like, yeah, you, you, you know I'm the son of God. You know that I'm going to turn this whole world upside down. But yes, I'm being your servant right now. I know you don't get it, but just, hey, you know what? Just trust me, Peter. Just trust me. No, said Peter, as if he didn't learn. He just got called Satan not so long ago, and he jumps right back in. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, then, here goes Peter. Well, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Like, I'll just, can I just have the water? I'll dump it on myself, and I'm like all in. This, this, this is our unlikely hero. He's just not, he's all zeal sometimes, all passion, all heart. No knowledge. The knowledge side just isn't catching up with him. I wonder, do we have sympathy for Peter? I do. <laughs> I say dumb things all the time. I, aren't we slow learners too? I mean, have you ever felt something inside? Like in the moment it felt like the right thing, and then later you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. So there was this one time. <laughs> There's a story coming, right? I was a kid. I don't know how old I was. I'm going to guess like seven or eight years old. And I'm a middle child. I'm probably like the proverbial middle child. I, I probably fit it very well. I had an older brother who was much bigger than me, still is much bigger than I am. And he would pick on me all the time, and we would fight, but I would never win. And I, I can't remember exactly what was happening this day. We were on my parents' back patio. I remember my dad was, uh, was working on our house. He was kind of scraping off the paint to repaint the house. And we were back there, and I, I, I'm pretty sure my brother hit me. I don't, even, I don't know what we were doing or what the context is. I just remember this point forward. He, he hit me, and I remember something just sort of like rose up inside me that day and was like, not anymore. Like, today's the last day. I'm going to show this guy who's boss. And so I, I mean, I think he saw it in my eyes like, I am tired of it. And so I, I just reached and I grabbed the closest thing because he's bigger than me. I can't beat him. There's no way I can beat him. I've, I've, I've felt it when I've tried. And so I grabbed the closest thing to me. And I, I didn't really, I didn't notice what it was. I just grabbed it. And I looked at my brother and his eyes were big. I mean, like just really, really big eyes. 
And, and, and I, I grab whatever it was, and I'm like pulling it back, and my brother takes off sprinting towards our house. And he gets to our storm door, which is a, is a glass storm door, and he opens the door. And as I'm throwing, because I'm like, I'm winning, right? Like my brother, I've got my brother, my big brother on the run. And as I'm, as I'm about to like throw this, you ever had those, one of those moments where it's speeding up and slowing down in your head? You know what I mean? So like it's, it's, it's too late to stop whatever's happening. And yet I'm like aware that this isn't this. Oh no. I look in my hand and it's, it's a paint scraper. One of those like long wooden ones that have like wire bristles on the end. It's probably like, a, like two or three pounds. I mean, it's, like a, it's, it's, it's a pretty serious paint scraper. It is too late to stop this paint scraper from coming out of my hands. Besides, I th- I'm winning here. Like, this is like, oh, no, this, this, this is going to end bad. And so my brother, he's like, he, like I said, he, at this point, he's running in the house. He shuts the storm door and kind of like ducks away. But by that point, it was far too late to stop. And the wire brush was flying out of my hands, crashed into the storm door, and just shattered. <laughs> I messed up big time. <laughs> my, my parents believed in spanking, and I, I got several on, on that one, quite a bit. I think I can still feel them from that one. But, but enough about me. In John 18, let's go back to Peter. Right? So I mess up. Peter cuts off a guy's ear, right? Right? Like Jesus is like getting arrested, and the people are kind of afraid. They don't know what's going on. And so Peter jumps in to save the day, and he cuts off a guy's ear. All zeal. I'm trying to, I'm trying to switch from, from me to Peter. You guys see what's happening here? Yeah. He jumps in and he cuts off a guy's ear. There's so many times that Peter has all zeal. He's jumping in and no knowledge. You see, I, I, sometimes I, I'm, I'm confused. Like, why did Jesus keep Peter so close? I mean, Peter was one of his most trusted followers. He kept him close. Whenever he went to do something important to pray, to talk with God, he would bring Peter along. I don't think he was in love with Peter's decisions, but he loved Peter's passion. He knew that that if he was going to get something done, he needed guys like Peter to jump in. There's a a proverb, Proverbs 19 too. And I think if uh, when, when, when Peter was going through school and he was learning Proverbs. I think he missed this day. Like he just like I'm thinking Peter's mom like probably posted it like on their like fridge and was hoping he'd get it. He just he just never caught up to it. Proverbs 19:2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Uh, this is not Peter, right? He, 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 this is not him. It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. One day I read that and I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. Like I get it. All right, I'm 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 hearing you. I'm hearing you loud and clear. So that's, that's the first dimension of Peter. All zeal, no knowledge. Let's flip it because Peter likes to like, swing the pendulum from one end to the other. All knowledge, no zeal. All knowledge, no zeal. In fact, in Mark 14, Jesus is talking about, again, he's telling the disciples, I'm going to go away from you. I'm going to leave you. And when that happens, it's going to be like the shepherd being struck and the sheep are going to scatter. He's, he's just telling them this. Listen, this, this is what's going to happen. And here's what Peter says. Even if all fall away, I will not. This is, still, this is still kind of all zeal, no knowledge, Peter. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, I love how it puts it in there, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. This is still all zeal, no knowledge, Peter. But we need to set this stage here for what is about to happen. 
Immediately after this moment, Jesus, he gets the disciples and he takes three of them with him to the garden to pray. He, he knows he's going to be arrested. He knows what's coming. So he takes them and he, he's, he goes to pray. Here's what he says. Still in Mark 14. He took Peter, James, and John. Right? He's doing something important. He wants to bring along these guys. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus says to them, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch. Pray. He comes back an hour later after just pouring out his heart to them. Do you know what they're doing? They're sleeping. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, get up, watch, and pray. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. And he does this two more times. And he comes back, and Peter, along with the other two, are sleeping. Peter went from one moment, I will never disown you. I'm, I'm all in, Jesus, to sleeping. We can do a lot of the same. We can be in here on a Sunday, and Jesus, I will, I will never disown you. I'm never going to fall away from you. I'm going to step into this. And then Monday comes, and Monday gets busy, and we overlook it. We overlook whatever God was, was saying to us. But we need to, we need to keep, on, keep on going here. Later on in Mark 14, after Jesus is arrested, after Peter cuts off a guy's ear, Jesus is on trial. And while he's on trial, John, one of the disciples, goes in and he's, he's watching this trial. And for Peter, it must seem like the whole world is caving in on him. This guy that he thought was going to be the Messiah, the one who was going to start this new kingdom, going to reestablish the nation of, of Israel, is now on trial and he's about to be killed and so sitting outside the walls, you've probably read this before, Peter's sitting outside the walls, and people come up to him and they say, you look like one of the guys who was with him. And he says, no, 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 I, I, I'm not with, with him. No, no, you, you, you look like him. In fact, I think I've seen you with him before. No, 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 I, I don't know this guy. And one more comes and says, no, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I saw him talking, and you were talking with him, like, you are one of them. And here's what Peter says. I don't know this man you're talking about. In the matter of one day, Peter goes from, I'll never disown you, all zeal, no knowledge, to I'm starting to figure out what's happening here. And if I follow him with this same amount of zeal, I'm going to end up just like him. It's going to cost me something. And all zeal, no knowledge, Peter suddenly becomes all knowledge, no zeal. We know this story, don't we? It's not a superhero story. It's sort of more like a chick flick, right? Uh, a couple falls in love. There's passion. There's zeal. And all of a sudden, somewhere into the relationship, zeal gives way to knowledge of faults and flaws. And pretty soon the couple realizes that if they don't fan these flames of zeal and passion, love and friendship for each other, that the relationship is going to come to an end. It's not wholly unlike the life of a believer, is it? Like, I remember the day. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. It was in an old country Baptist church. A friend had invited me, and I was starting to go, and I was, I was loving it. I didn't fully know who God was. I didn't know what it meant to pray and give my life to God, but there was an altar call. They used to do that. And there was these stairs at the front of the church, and I remember my heart was pounding. My legs were numb, and I didn't know what to do except if I just knew I was a sinner. I knew I had guilt. I knew I had shame, and I, I had to go and get this forgiveness. 
And I went and I laid myself down at the altar. And God's hope and love just, just filled me. Over the years in ministry and, and just being in the church, I've, I've witnessed something. I've seen people go from that moment of passion and zeal to eventually zeal gives way to a hunger for more knowledge. They want to understand more. They want to know more. Early on, they would do anything for God. They're, they, they're, they're compelled. They're zeal. There's passion. They see God everywhere. They see God in everything. They want their friends and their family to know about him. And then little by little, they, they, they remember the things that they said and people didn't receive it. Or they would do things out of this zeal and they would look foolish. Little by little, they would, they would want more Bible study or more church or whatever it might be. But they lost the passion to share that love with others. You've seen it before, haven't you? And yet, isn't it good to have knowledge? I don't, I don't think the scriptures are saying that there's supposed to be one over the other. In fact, let's go back to Proverbs 19.2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge nor to be hasty and miss the way. Here's the deal. I think the zeal is implied, right? By, by the way that, that Jesus stayed close to a guy like Peter who had all this zeal but would completely mess it up all the time. I think God's saying, I can do a lot with people who have passion. But I also want you to, to, to back it up with knowledge, We've all done dumb things with zeal and no knowledge. We've, we've probably wanted to do great things before, and then somehow we've, we've kind of mixed it up because we've fallen on our faces. We didn't bring something. We didn't study. We didn't learn. We didn't grow in the process. And at the end of his life, Peter, Peter gets to write his own biography. We don't all have that privilege. In fact, I would, I would actually argue we do. We, we get to start rewriting it today. At the end of his life, he gets to rewrite his bio. Let's read this. It's in, it's in 2 Peter. It's one of the last things we ever hear from Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. And here's the last part. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's saying you can actually be ineffective and unproductive. You can gain all this knowledge, but if you don't do something with it, it's ineffective. In fact, he goes on to say, if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. He has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. They've forgotten what God has done for them and they keep all this knowledge to themselves. And see, what Peter is going to come back to realize is that when zeal and knowledge collide, something new is created. And this is the third dimension of Peter. All zeal, all knowledge. The, the, the two come together. There's these moments that we remember of Peter that we, we look back and we say, he got it. He, he fully knew what was going on. There's this moment in Matthew 14 well, the disciples are out on a boat. They're crossing from one shore to another. Jesus tells them to go ahead of him. And then later on, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. All the disciples look up and they're distressed. They're in fear. They don't know what's going on, but not Peter. What does Peter say? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. There's this moment where Peter's passion and zeal, he's looking at it like, this is awesome. I want to be a part of this. If this is who this guy is, I'm in. There's this zeal. And there's this knowledge of who he is. If he can do it, he can 
Make me come to him on the water. And so often we, we look back on this passage and I've heard so many sermons and messages on the fact that Peter fell in the water. To which I would reply, when was the last time you walked on the water, right? There was this moment where his zeal and his knowledge collided and something new was created. One more, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, Jesus sends out all of his disciples. And then they're coming back and they're, they're talking to him. And Jesus says, who are people saying that I am? I mean, what, what, what are they saying about me? And some, are, some of the disciples speak up. And they're like, well, some think you're this prophet reincarnated. And others think you're this prophet reincarnated. And just be, they, they, they don't really know who you are. And then it says this. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. This knowledge didn't come to you, Peter, by sitting down and studying. It came by you following me relentlessly. And this knowledge of this came from my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, something beautiful emerged when zeal and knowledge came together from Peter. One of the first followers of Christ. Which brings us full circle to Acts 10. Can, can, you, can you see the picture more clearly now? When Peter is praying and God comes to him, he says, I want you to go to this unclean man. I, I want more people to hear about my goodness. I want more people to hear about my love. I want you to go and spread this beyond the the, the Jewish community, into all the world, into all the nations. And it's going to start with this man, Cornelius. And to Peter, it doesn't make sense. And can, can, you, can you picture all those moments where he stood up and he rebuked Jesus? He cut off a guy's ear. Or can you picture the moment in the garden where he's sleeping and Jesus comes to him and he says, Peter, could you not pray for one hour? And then God comes to him. And there's all these emotions. There's this flood of memories. Peter's saying to himself, I jumped, I leaped, and I fell on my face. And then when, when I was aware of the situation, it was stagnant and very little happened. Then he also has to remember, there's these moments when it seemed like the, the two came together for me. And something amazing happened. And so we, we, we know, many of us, how the story ends. He gets up and he goes to Cornelius and he, he shares this message, this, 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 uh, this gospel, the good news that Jesus died and rose again, that they could have life now and forever. And in retrospect, Peter says this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And then this is what the, those who were standing by saw. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. See, this is weird. This is strange. This is something new. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The Jews are looking at these unclean people. They thought were unclean. And saying they're experiencing everything that we experienced. Everything that God did in us, he's now doing in them. 
And here's the amazing part about it. If Peter didn't step out into this moment with Cornelius, we may not be sitting here today. Peter made this way for the, all the nations to hear the good news of the gospel. But it wasn't quite so clear at the beginning, was it? Many of you are going to hear God's voice. You're going to hear him speak. And you're going to want to jump in with all zeal, all passion. God, yes, I'll follow you. And undoubtedly, there's going to be times where you're going to be like, well, can I do it? Can, can, I, can, I, can I really do it? What about that time where I did this? And what about that time where I did that? And what if my past catches up to me? What if people find out who I really am? Or maybe I sh- this is a good thing. Maybe I should learn more about this thing I have such a passion for. And I think Peter is telling us today, his life speaks still today, if we somehow bring the two together, that something new is created. Something new is created. This is so powerful that in the following chapter, in Acts 11, the church in Jerusalem, they don't know what to think of what Peter has done. Right? Think from their perspective. This is Peter who was always doing something dumb, who was always jumping without thinking. And they hear that the Gentiles are hearing the gospel. And so they go and they say, Peter, come and tell us about this. He was doing something so audacious that the church had to call him back in and say, hang on a second. Is this right? Is this real? I wonder for us, when was the last time we did something so bold and so audacious that people said, I need you to explain this to me. I'm not getting this. This doesn't always measure up with everything that we were once taught. This week, we were so powerfully reminded of how short our time really is, right? How how unpredictable. The Colorado theater, theater shooting is yet another moment where we're brought to our knees in horror of what we saw. Evil and horror in these moments seem so powerful and so overwhelming. And then yet, like a, like, like a thunderous clap of lightning, Hope emerges from it. Have you ever noticed this? That every time something like this happens, stories of hope emerge. And I think it's God reminding us that wherever you are, whatever your nightmare might be, I have not left you. I am close by you. I have provided hope in your own darkness. Friday morning when I was reading about all the stories, the first story I saw was about a young woman named Jessica Gowie. Maybe you've heard the story. She was a a young, aspiring sports journalist. And just a month ago, she was vacationing up in Toronto, and she was at a mall. She was walking around in the food court, and she got this funny feeling that she she should leave the food court. She didn't know why. She just got this funny feeling that she should leave. And when she got outside she learned that there was a a gunman inside the mall who had opened up on the food court, killing one person, injuring many others. And in retrospect, she wrote this. She, She had a blog, and she wrote this on her blog. I was shown how fragile life was on Saturday. I saw the terror on bystanders' faces. I saw the victims of a senseless crime. I saw lives change. I was reminded that we don't know when or where our time on earth will end, when or where we will breathe our last breath, For one man, it was the middle of a busy food court on a Saturday evening. I say all the time that every moment we have to live, our life is a blessing. So often I have found myself taking it for granted. Every hug from a family member, every laugh we share with friends, even the times of solitude are blessings. Every second of every day is a gift. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
After Saturday evening, I truly understand how blessed I am for each second I am given. A month after Jessica wrote that, it was Thursday night or Friday morning when she was watching the Batman movie. And she was one of the 12 that were, that were gunned down senselessly. And I wonder this morning if, 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 her, if her message to us will redeem something of, of, the, of this senseless act. How many reminders do we need before we'll step into a life we've always dreamt of? For all of us in here, we, have, we, 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 we think about it on our drives to work. We think about it when we're drinking coffee of a morning, when we're walking from class to class on campus. We think about, well, I could be this kind of person. I could be this kind of a husband. I could be this kind of a wife, a parent. I could be this kind of a friend or neighbor. And I want to challenge you today to, to, to step into that. Like, what is it for you? that you need to step into. You've been thinking about it. You've been dreaming about it. You've been talking about it for years. And somehow knowledge or something in your head has tripped you up. There was a time when you were, you were so passionate about Christ that you would say, be still my heart. And maybe today you're saying, awake my soul. And I wonder for you, what is it? What, what do you need to awake in just a moment, we're going to sing a song called The Stand. And I want to invite us. In fact, in this moment, why don't we stand? I want to invite us to, to stand and to, to think about these words, but not just think them, but sing them to God and say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I want to step fully into. You see, Jesus was fully aware. He was fully aware of our situation, and he fully stepped into it. Peter took up the baton. And he stepped fully into that situation that made a way for us, every one of us here today. And I wonder for you, if you were to step fully into your life, to step fully into your home, to step fully into your workplace, who would you make a way for? Who would you open up the door for to experience love like they've never seen it before because you began to fully live? I wonder how many reminders do we need that every second matters. Every second is a blessing that we get to live like we know we could, like we know we should. We hear that whisper of God that says, step into this, live fully. I wonder if we did that today, whose lives around us would be changed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to lift up each of us here today. Father, we, we know we've heard your voice. We know we've heard your whisper. We know we've heard you in, in quiet moments say, you could be this. You could do this. And God, for one reason or another, something gets lost between our head and our heart and the confusion and the frustration, the internal wrestling ensues. God, I pray that you would still the voices today. That everything we know about you, that you are the son of God, that you have come to redeem lost souls, that you have come to take sin out of people's lives so that they could live fully, that all the things we've learned about you would be coupled with our passion and our zeal for you. And that something new would be created in our lives or in the people around us. And to your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.